Turn with me please this evening to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. We began some weeks ago studying about this, talking about this. He said, verse 1, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Somebody say demonstration of the Spirit spirit. and power. power. Now that's a different thing from knowledge Hmm? and understanding. There's more to the ministry, real ministry, than talk. There's more to real church than concepts and ideas. And discussions about morals. There's more to reality in God than talk. There's what? Demonstration of the Spirit and power. That's not talk. That's power. Hallelujah. Keep reading. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Your faith should not just stand in what somebody else thinks or believes. What should your faith be in? In the power of God. Maybe some things came to you through men and women anointed and called of God, but when it ministered to you, if it was God... It didn't just come in their breath and their ideas. There was the power of God that ministered to you. Hallelujah. And so you have faith in it, not just because they told you, but because God ministered to you. Come on, somebody say, my faith faith is in the power power of of God. We believe in the God who created the heavens and the earth. That's real power, brother. Huh? The power that keeps the stars burning and keeps the, uh, the planets in their gravitational pulls and orbits. You're talking about some power. We have no idea how much power we're talking about. But I believe, like the Bible said, it comes from him. It comes from his throne. And all things are upheld by the word of his power. Do you believe it, sir? And my faith is in that power. More than in any institution of man, more than in any ideas or concepts, certainly any man's or woman's smarts or wisdom. My faith is in the power of God. When the trumpet sounds, it's not going to be somebody's intelligence or special speech that raises the dead. When I leave my body and I sail out of here and you do and we go to glory to be with Jesus. That's not somebody's idea that they had that's going to get us there. 
And when we get there and we sense the glory of heaven and we see the light of the throne of God, we're not going to be thinking about somebody's special idea (laughs) or how smart they were. It'll all be the power of God. Hmm. Come on, say it again. I have faith. I believe in. And I trust in the power of God. Glory to God. Now, uh, go with me to James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 8. He said, draw nigh to God and what will happen? He will draw near to you. The Amplified says it like this, come close to God, and he will come close to you. Why did those men tear off the roof and let that man down in the room? Because they wanted to get him close, and closer, and close in to the master. Why? Because they had faith. In the power that they had heard about. No doubt, the Bible, if you read the previous passages and chapters, it talked about how Jesus was going about doing good, like Acts says, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. People were touching him and being healed, and he was touching them and being healed. People were being healed and delivered all over the place. And no doubt, this has got back to this man who was paralyzed. Either he heard about it or through his friends or he's, he, he's not mobile. He can't move around. But he and his friends got to talking about it and they decided the thing they had to do was get him close <laughs> to the presence. Hallelujah. Now they, I'm pretty sure they did not see or know Jesus as the Son of God or the King of Kings or Redeemer. They probably saw him as a prophet that God was using. And they saw him as the power and anointing being on him. And they know we got to get to that. And they were just convinced if they could get in that presence. Hallelujah. Something could happen. Well, that's expectation. Well, you don't expect something unless you believe something. Right? That's what Hebrews 11 means. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Evidence of things not seen. The word hope there means expect. You're not expecting something unless you're persuaded of something. I know my grandmother, who's in heaven now, on my dad's side, Sister Lena Pearl Moore. You know, down south we have double names. In case something happens to one of them, you got another good one. Back up, you know. Anyway. She was, uh, there came a time in her life as a young woman, she was, uh, fell very ill. And of course, uh, medical help back many years ago wasn't what it is today. And they didn't have money either to go to the doctor, of course, insurance and all that. And so people were just sick in their home. And she was very sick, very ill. And uh, there was a, um, an evangelist who had come to a neighboring city. And word got back that there were healings happening in the meeting. 
His name was Brother Busby. He probably had a double name too. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but uh, I could make him up one. <laughs> but anyway, my grandmother heard about me. Of course, this is all, uh, you know, before I was born. But uh, she told us about it. And uh, she began to think and, and say, if I could just get to Brother Busby's meeting, I believe I could be healed. Does that sound for me? You ever read anything in the Bible? If I could just touch the hem of it. Come on, you ever heard anything like that? What does that mean? That means you have expectation of something that's going on there and something that would happen to you there, right? You're not expecting anything unless you're believing something. You're persuaded of something. Well, it was wintertime as I understand it. And the old cars that they had, little old skinny tires and dirt roads, rutted and muddy. And this place wasn't, I mean, by today's driving, it probably wouldn't be an hour and a half away. But back then, in the wintertime, in whatever it was, a model, was it an A or whatever it was? I mean, somebody had a pretty decent car. So they loaded her in the back and they launched out. And I think it took them the better part of a day slipping and sliding and whatever that was to get there. But they got to Brother Busby's meeting. (laughs) And they hauled her out of the back. Come on, are you listening? And they got her to the meeting. And there was the singing and the preliminaries and Brother Busby preached. and, And then he began to pray for the sick and minister to the sick. And they hauled my grandmother up there. And there came a point where he got to, she said, when they brought her up close to him. Close. Somebody say close. When they brought her up close to him, she said it it seemed like she stepped into a white cloud. Hallelujah. And she said, she looked and there were angels standing all around him. Oh, hallelujah. And I don't know if she knew everything he said or prayed. She was in the glory. Yes, yes. But when it was done, she was healed. Oh, hallelujah. And lived and took care of my dad and his brother and her husband and then us boys and grandkids and hallelujah. Is healing real? Is God real? Now I know there's people that scoff at that and mock at that. It's just because of their spiritual ignorance. A lot of people knock what they don't know or what they don't understand. But I know a little something about her and I know she wouldn't stand there and lie to her grandchildren. Come on, are you listening to know enough about her to know that? And besides that, like Brother Hagin used to say, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. She's healed. She lived and didn't die. How about that? But I said all that to say this. She knew she had to get close. She knew she's supposed to go there. She knew she's supposed to get there. And it took great effort. Like these men tearing off the roof of the... It took effort, right? You know why people, a lot of people won't make the effort to drive across town to come to a good meeting? Don't expect anything because they don't believe anything. Can you see it? Oh, but when you do, it motivates you. Even if you can hardly drag your leg or take a breath, you get a fire stirred up on you and you think, I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get close. 
And it's not a man you want to get close to or a woman that you want to get close to. It's God that you want to get close to. And I know he's everywhere, but he's not manifested to the same degree everywhere. And when he tells you to hit your little wagon and get somewhere, you better get there because that's where he's going to manifest himself for you. And he has multiple reasons why he does it that way. And it's not for you to question him. It's for you to obey. Right. You think that's right? Come close to God and tell me what's going to happen. What's going to happen? He will come close to you. Can you count on that? It's the word of the Lord. You can count on that. Go with me please to Matthew the 15th chapter. Got some rich things to talk about tonight. You believing with me? Utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. I want to go. This is part two of come close. Are we talking about the power of God? Is there a connection between coming close? Well, the closer you get to the fireplace, the more you're going to feel the heat. Is that right? (laughs) Well, God is the power source. And the closer you draw to him, the more you're going to experience his power. So a natural question, if you're serious about this, is, okay, I believe it. How do I get close? How do I draw closer? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) That's exactly what we're going to talk about. Matthew 15. Matthew 15. And 6. Jesus was correcting some religious individuals because they were changing the word of God to accommodate their foolish traditions. And he said they had changed the scripture, honor your father and mother, and said, well, if I dedicate this, then I don't have to do anything financially for my parents anymore. And he rebuked them for that. He said, you've made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Jesus interpreted honoring people as doing something for them materially, financially, and materially. That's a big part of it. Not just words, but actions, deeds. (laughs) Did I lose somebody? Verse 7. He said, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draws near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, their talk, but their what? Their heart is far from me. Now, what do we want to be? Far from him? We want to be close, closer. Now, God is everywhere. And yet not everybody's close to him. This is not about physical distance. It's not about closing a gap geographically to get close to God. But it's about the heart. How do you get close to God? With your heart. How do you draw near to him? You do it with your heart. 
Acts 17, 27. You don't have to turn there, but you can listen to these. It says that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. How far away is God? Not like you've got to climb the highest mountain across the widest ocean to get closer to him. And yet, just because he's everywhere present doesn't mean you're close to him. Physically, you're not far from him. But what determines how close you are to him is your heart. Not a physical distance. 1 Thessalonians 2.17. I believe this will bless you. Of course, it's the word. If the word don't bless you, you can't be blessed. 1 Thessalonians 2.17. He said, we brethren... Being taken from you for a short time in presence, and he adds this, speaking by the Spirit, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. You ever heard the phrase, I'm with you in spirit, or I'm with you in heart? That's not just a figure of speech, that's a reality. You can be with somebody in heart. Even though there might be 2,000 miles of space between you. Or you could be sitting three inches from them and be 10,000 miles away from them in heart. (laughs) And which one matters the most? Heart. Is God with us? How far away is heaven? (laughs) I don't know. It takes angels a goodly amount of time to fly fast and get between the two. You look at different scriptures. And yet, is God with me or not? Is he with you or not? Does he have to travel millions of light years to get close to you? How is he close to us? In heart. heart. Is that a figure of speech? No, it's a reality. (laughs) He really is. His presence is with you when your heart and mind is on him and towards him and right with him. We're actually touching some of the powers of the world to come. I believe past this life, we won't be limited to fast planes or fast cars. You want to be somewhere? Put your heart and mind there, and you're there. Does God do that? Does he? Can he be anywhere in this creation? How does he do that? There are other dimensions Besides the ones we can touch and feel. Spirit is real. God is spirit. We're created in his likeness and image. We are spirit. Hmm? With you in spirit. With you in heart. Is not a kindly phrase. You can actually be with them. Selah. 
Is that worthy of some meditation? I don't know if I believe that or not. Can God be with us and be in heaven? How can he do that? (laughs) In spirit. In heart. Well, then we know it's possible. And we're made in his likeness and image. When it talks about his presence, a lot of times it's the original word is the word for face. If you look it up, you'll see that. Presence. In his presence, the Hebrew word or the Greek word could literally say before his face instead of saying presence. And the scripture talks about us seeking his face. And the literal language is face to face. Drawing close to him is seeking his face, is drawing near face to face. This is real. Something the Lord gave me we'll we'll touch on right now. If you'll hear it, it, it'll answer some things. Some things will connect. Have you ever felt somebody looking at you that you didn't see? was looking at you. You felt like somebody was looking at you and you turned and they were. What did you feel? If you're only body and mind and brain, you didn't feel their body, you didn't feel their brain, what'd you feel? Spirit. And why did you feel it? It contacted you. <laughs> you said you felt it. What did you feel? Physically, what are we talking about? Look this way. You feel that? Why? Contact. Flesh to flesh is real. You know what else is real? Spirit to spirit is real. Whether the flesh is involved or not. Here's the exciting part. You can touch God. And he can touch you. No matter where you are physically or where heaven is. No matter how great the distance. That's Irrelevant. Because you're talking about spirit now. Hallelujah. Have you ever felt somebody looking at you? Well, reckon what if God looked at you? Reckon you could feel that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. And some folks have. In varying degrees. You draw near to him. You turn your face toward him. And you say Lord. I'm reaching out to you. I want to know you. I want to get closer to you. I want to be closer to you. And you're looking towards him. And you're reaching toward him. And you're sincere in your heart. It's not just empty talk. Tell me what the Bible said. He will respond. And look at you. 
and draw close to you. You reckon you'd know that? Oh yeah. You do it with your heart. Not your head. This is not brain power. This is about your heart. About your spirit. Thank you Lord. These realities are all around us. Even though people deny them adamantly. They just show their ignorance. Spirit is real. I said spirit is real. Angels are real. God is real. Right? Real. Real. Boy, there's a lot more to talk about. I'm believing for more understanding of this. How about you? Will you believe with me? Let's ask the Lord. Lord, say it out loud. Father, we're asking you for more understanding. A more complete understanding of spirit. The reality of spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Remember uh, 1 Corinthians 16 when God told Samuel to go anoint one of Jesse's boys to be king. And they brought out the first one. He was a fine looking specimen. Tall guy. Big guy. Noble looking guy. And the Lord said 1 Samuel 16, 7. He said, look not on his countenance or nor on the height of his stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord looketh. Does the Lord look? Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the more you look to him, the more he's going to look on you. The more you draw closer to him and seek his face, the more his face is going to look at you. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And when it comes to power, you can't get closer to the source without sensing the power. You can't get close to the fireplace without sensing the warmth. And that's what the scripture says, Second Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord. You must say, eyes of the Lord. What does the Lord do with his eyes? He looks. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. The Lord is able to scan the whole earth with his eyes and look. He's looking for something specific, though, with a specific desire in mind. What's he looking for and why? To show himself strong is why. Does that sound like power? And power manifested. In the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. That's what he's looking for. Somebody says, well, man, I know my heart ain't perfect. Don't let that word throw you. He's not talking about flawless, never made a mistake. If that was true, he couldn't find anybody on the planet. Right? Yes, sir. And that's the great thing about what he's talking about because you and I will never be perfect in knowledge nor performance. Mm-hmm. 
But here's the great news. I can be perfect in heart towards him in my willingness towards him, my desire, my love towards him. And he's not looking at my imperfect head. He's not scanning for my imperfect performance. He's looking for my heart. And I can't, another translation of this is that a perfect is wholehearted. What he's talking about is not being half-hearted or lukewarm. And the Lord's saying, Revelation, or whether you're hot or cold, don't, don't play with this. Do you want me? <laughs> Do you believe in me? Can you love the Lord your God? With all A-L-L, 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 all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's talking about your insides. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you some more scripture. You don't mind more scripture, do you? I, I can't say it any better than this, right out of the word. It's with your heart that you get away from God. That you leave God and it's with your heart that you come back to God and get close to God. In Hebrews 3, and there's a lot about this in the book of Hebrews. If you want to study and learn more about this, read the book of Hebrews carefully looking for this. Hebrews 3.12, he said, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you a what? Evil heart. A bad heart, we'd probably say, of unbelief in what? Departing from the living God. When you yield to unbelief. And the word here for unbelief is unpersuadable. There's two kinds of unbelief. Unbelief because of ignorance. And unbelief because you know but refuse to be persuaded. That's why it says evil. That's evil. You're not not believing because you don't know. You do know. He told you. And that was the case with them. He told them. They had seen what God can do. He brought them out of Egypt. Is that right? When nobody thought they were coming out. Is that right? Pharaoh said no and no way. And never. Is that right? But God said yes. (laughs) And my way. And he brought that thing to its knees. He did wonders and signs that had never been seen or heard of. And he brought them out with a mighty arm and an outstretched hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they can't say we don't know if God could do it or not. They just got through seeing it. And he says, I brought you out to take you in. I have picked out a place for you. It's the land that flows with milk and honey. It's the good land. Hallelujah. But when they got there and they saw the giants and they saw the walls, they refused to believe. And when they did that, they hardened their heart And they came away from God. 
they departed. Can you see this? They departed from God when they shut up and they said no. You can't do it. I don't believe it. If we stay here, we'll all die. In fact, they begin to say, he brought us out here because he hated us. We recently read that, didn't we, in our Bible? You you brought us out here because you hated us and to kill us. Now, that's a lot of trouble to go to. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) To just kill somebody in the desert anyway, isn't it? Just a lie from the pit. But they chose to believe that instead of what God had told them, which was evil. And which was a hardening of the heart which causes you to depart, to go away. The harder your heart is towards God and the more unpersuadable you choose to be, that rebellion and that hardness, you get further because you're actually being repelled like a magnet that you turn to the opposite end. So where'd you get that? James, God resists the proud. What is resisting? It's being repelled. But what does he do? He gives grace to what? Both of these are heart conditions. If you want to get close to God, it's not about praying loud. And saying a bunch of flowery things with your mouth. Because he said about them. You show honor with your mouth. He said, but your heart is far from me. He's not looking on the outside. He's not seeing like man sees. Can you get closer to God? Anytime you want to. How do you do it? It takes a heart adjustment. To get closer. Come on can you see this friends. What are we talking about? Faith in the power. God is the source of the power. The power is out of his presence. If we want more manifestations of the power. We need to draw closer to the source. The reason why there is little And less manifestation of God's power is because folks are so far from his presence. You can believe in God and yet live at a distance from him. A big distance. Where that most of your life is awareness of this natural realm and other people and what you do. And you think about God for a few minutes on Sunday morning. And then it's back to the immersion of this world. That's living and following afar off. And yet, there are some, a few, that live closer. Hallelujah. You get close enough, not only will you know it, everybody around you will know it too. Somebody said, what do you mean? Moses got close. Didn't he? God spoke out of the fire and gave the people the Ten Commandments and it scared them 
silly. Right? And they ran to the elders, ran to Moses and said, please, 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 you go and talk to him. Because we're afraid if he speaks again, we will all die. That's right. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have a Mickey Mouse concept of God. They use all this loose phrase, yeah, me and God, we're buds, and oh yeah, and you can be, but they just don't know who he is, because I guarantee you, if he manifested that much of his power beside you, you'd plaster your nose in the floor, and you'd go, oh God, oh God, oh God, the Lord, he is God. That's right. He is so awesome. He's just well, look at creation and the, re- the far reaches of space. The one who made it is bigger than that and more powerful than that. When I worked in healing school back years ago at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, uh, I saw this more than once and I didn't, uh, the Lord had to give it to me in prayer before I understood it. There were some folks would be with us for a day or two or a week and get amazing results. And uh, there were other folks, it just seemed like they'd get a little better and then they'd get a lot worse and get a little better and get a lot worse. And there's other folks, that, it, it, it wasn't uniform. The results weren't <laughs> uniform. And I began to seek the Lord about this, this one. There was this man and his wife and their child and they had been very successful in the world. And they had exhausted everything that man could do for them. And they were there as a last resort, a terminal condition. And so they were there and they were super nice and uh, seemed sincere. And, but we weren't getting good results. We're praying, we're believing, we're preaching everything we know. And, and just, they're getting worse. And I, I missed some meals and sought the Lord extra about it. And during a time of praying and being quiet about it. I saw this in my spirit. You, you, how many know the Lord can show you something faster in a half a second. And take you half a day to try to explain it and still not get it out. And it was like, like if Jim represented God. It was like they wanted something from God. But they didn't want any get any closer than they had to to get it from him and then go back to their life. Because they had no desire to change their life. God had not been first in their life before they came. They were only there in desperation to get a healing. They didn't want to be close to God. They wanted something God could do for them. Well, that's a problem. I said, that's a problem. Because if you'll get serious with God and start to draw close to him and say, Father, Father, I need this. I need this again and again. You know what he'll say? I know it, baby. Come on. Come here. (laughs) Come here and sit down right here with me. Why? Because you've got other issues. Besides that, that he wants to talk to you about. <laughs> you may think that's your biggest problem. But what's he looking at? 
What's the biggest issue you will ever have? It won't be a money problem. It won't be a physical problem. Come on, y'all listening. It will always be a heart problem. And if you can get your heart right, God can fix anything. Come on, do you believe? I mean anything. Anything. But if you won't get your heart right, he's not going to make you get your heart right. And so then he's hindered and restricted. So it's always going to be about coming close to him and a right heart. I want this. I need money to pay my bills. I, I need a healing. I need something for my kids. I need. No. You need God. Is that right? And everything that comes with that. You need Him. And He's going to talk to you about other things. You Maybe you're screaming and desperate for this, and He'll go, I know it, baby. I know, I know. And how many understand what a terminal disease looks like to Him? It looks like a piece of lint on your britches. If that. Is he concerned about how hard that thing is? It's nothing to him. He's already taken care of. So what should you want to talk about? Whatever he wants to talk about. Because that's going to be the thing. Once that's adjusted, everything else is going to follow behind. Can you see this? <laughs> People of God become more like him. And they're that way too. I know uh, I had the privilege of working with Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. for a number of years. And after a few years being with him, I was in the speaker's room with him before the service and after. And we traveled and and the first few times I was with him, I thought, glory to God. I'm here in the room with the man of God. And I'm just as young and green as can be. And I thought, you know, maybe I can get all my questions answered. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> so, not the first day, but eventually I ventured a question. I said, Brother Hagin. You know, what about such and such and such? He looked at me and said, "Mm mm-hmm. And that's it. He didn't answer me. He didn't say anything. And you know, it's silent. And two minutes can seem like a long time. (laughs) And then he looked at me and said, all right, y'all go ahead and and get the service going. Crank it up good. Yes, sir. I left. I thought, you know, that didn't go too good. (laughs) One more time. I waited a while. And so I was going to ask another question. And I said, Brother Hagin, what about such and such and such? He just looked at me. Didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. And he said, hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And some more silence. Then he said, all right, y'all go get the service started. (laughs) Crank it up good. (laughs) Well, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what's the deal on that? (laughs) And I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me just came to my mind, helped me to see. He said, "Uh, this man 
He's got, at that time, it was 40-something years of experience ahead of me. And he's had multiple visitations by the head of the church. And yet you want him to conform to what you're thinking and wanting to do. You should want to know what he would want to talk about. Instead of trying to get him to adapt to you. It was a lack of respect, even though I, I didn't even see it. So I said, yes, sir. I, I understand. So I, from then on, I waited. Because he's about to minister. He's already ministered. He don't need to be ministering to me right now. Right. Yes. I'm there to help him. Yes, sir. Not pull on him. Right. Yes, sir. For all I know, God's dealing with him about what's about to happen in the next few minutes, and I'm interrupting him trying to get his mind on a different track. Come on, can you see this? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, I waited, and it was several days and weeks, and, and then he brought up something. I thought, all right. <laughs> and I did not try to change the subject. I tried to have an intelligent conversation and not say anything unnecessary and talk about what he wanted to talk about, and it was outstanding. Somebody say glory to God. God. Well, that's a God-like quality. When we come to him, the Father, Mm -hmm. should we do our best to get him to pay attention to what we're thinking? (laughs) Like he didn't already know. (laughs) Huh? Should we do our best and tell him a thousand and five times what we need and what's wrong? Like he didn't already know. Or should we come before him. And open our heart real wide. And humble ourselves before him. And say Lord. What's on your mind. What would you talk to me about. And he'll talk to you about things. That seem like they got nothing to do. With what you need. And by the time he gets through with you, you got the answer for what you need. Hmm? Or it'll seem like sometimes it had nothing to do with what you think you so desperately need. And you'll leave and not a word was said about it. And by the end of the day, it's not even an issue anymore. It fixed itself, seems like. Somebody said out loud, draw close to him. And he'll draw close to you. But we're talking about a heart of respect, a heart of reverence, a heart of humility. Can you say amen? Amen. It's hardness of the heart that hinders. He said, with an evil heart of unbelief, you depart from the living God. Go to Hebrews 10.22. The opposite of departing from God through a heart hard, unpersuadable, proud, unbelieving, rebellious heart causes you to be repelled. If you humble yourself, what's going to happen? He's going to give you more grace. Well, if he's giving you more grace and more grace is coming into you and touching you, that's him. That's his power. That's his ability. That's him responding and drawing near to you and touching you with his ability. Who gets that? 
Not the proud, they get repelled. The humble get that. What's pride? Is pride of your head or your flesh? Pride's of your heart. It's a heart problem. What's humility? Is that just a mental thing? No, it's a heart thing. But on the other hand, instead of being repelled, let us do what? Draw near. Isn't that what we've been talking about? With a what? A true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Thank you, Lord. Just like you could be repelled for a rebellious, hard heart, you can draw near with a right heart. A hallelujah of humility and faith. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I say like my grandma, this is some good cooking if I did serve it myself. I didn't come up with it, but I'm serving it. (laughs) Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Matthew, you know, Jesus said, I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I just want to keep laying it on. Matthew 13, 15, Jesus said that this people's heart is waxed gross. Their ears, they heard heavily. Their eyes, they did close, lest they would see with their eyes and ears might hear and the heart understand and turn back. Turn back means come closer. That I might what? Heal them. What, how do you initiate the, the end result was a healing. How has it begun? A heart turn. A turning back to God with the heart. This works with an individual or a family or a church or a whole nation. If my people that are called by my name, come on, are you listening? We'll do what? Humble themselves and pray and turn away from the wicked stuff and back to me. What will he do? He'll hear from heaven. He'll heal their land. Healing, healing, healing. That's a manifestation of power. This answers why Jesus is grieved at people's hardness of heart and unbelief. Why? Because they're going to be repelled and the good things are not going to happen. When they could humble. You know, when something comes up and you see light and sometimes it paints you in a bad light, you need to make changes. You'll do one of two things. You'll either humble yourself and admit it and be willing to change. Or what else can you do? You can harden yourself and resist and say, shut up. Don't say that to me again. I don't want to hear that. Leave me alone. And if you do that, it's like turning the magnets opposite end. It's going to repel you. And that's why people feel so far from God. Because they are. But it's not because he left them. I said it's not because he left them. He didn't go anywhere. He's still closer than your breath. But how do you get back to him? You've got to turn that thing around. Get rid of the pride. Get rid of the rebellion. The obstinacy. Get rid of all that junk. 
and humble yourself. Come on, can you see that? And the moment you humble yourself and draw near to him, there's going to be an attraction. Hallelujah. Instead of a repelling, there's an attraction. You're going to get closer to him. He's going to get closer to you. The closer you get, his grace is going to start flowing into your life. Oh, hallelujah. His power, his healing. Somebody said out loud, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Always is. Hebrews 4. I just want to read some of these verses. They're self-explanatory. But with us looking for this, we'll see things we hadn't seen before. Hebrews 4 and 6. He said, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. What kept them out? Unbelief. Again, he limits a certain time, saying in David, today, after so long a time as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, what should you not do? Don't harden your hearts. Verse 12. He went on to say, For the word of God is quick, living, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the Heart. Can God see right through you? Can he see right down into you? You might be able to con some folks and fool them and deceive them. You can't do that with God. Nobody ever has. Nobody ever will. He's not even listening to all the flowery stuff you're saying. He looks right into your heart. And he knows what you mean. What's true, what's not true. What's real, what's not real. And... Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Nothing and nobody can cover over to where he can't see. But all things are naked and opened. That's exposed. Unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. How many think we might as well be real with him? He sees it anyway. He already sees it. (laughs) Seeing then. So all this flows together. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He knows exactly what it's like to be down here in one of these bodies. With the curse all through the earth and wrong spirits and messed up people. He's been here. He knows it. Don't tell him you don't understand. He fully understands. (laughs) Let us do what though? Verse 16. Let us do what? How are we going to make it through all this stuff down here? He made it. How are we going to make it? Same way he did. He'd go to the Father. Wouldn't he? He would draw near to the Father. Until he heard from the Father. And then he just did what he saw the Father do. He just said what he heard the Father say. And he had miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And so let us. Just like he did. Let us. Therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Does that sound like drawing near? Drawing near. Well here's an exciting thing. 
You don't have to wait till you die to go to the throne. Not just a figure of speech. This is not a figure of speech. He didn't say, come to the throne in your mind. Sweet thing. In your imagination, it's not real, but just pretend. There's nothing about God. Pretend. Let us, who? Us. Come. When? Come now. To the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace. Who gets the grace? All this folks. How do you come? You don't come arrogantly. You come humbly. Right? You don't come rebelliously. You come willingly. Is that right? Will he see your heart when you come? He sees it. He sees it. And you can sit down in your chair, lay down in your bed, kneel or not, and close your eyes and forget about everything and everybody and reach out your heart towards him. Come on, are you listening? And if you really mean business and you're sincere and you're genuine, just like that, you'll be there. You'll be there. And the more you focus on him and the closer you draw, you'll begin to sense his presence. Hallelujah. And the closer you draw, the stronger it'll become. It can fill up your room, fill up your car, fill up your bedroom, fill up your kitchen, your living room. Do you believe it, saints? And in his presence is every answer you ever wondered about. In his presence is every need fulfilled. In his presence is everything you ever needed or desired. In his presence is fullness of joy. And his joy is your strength. And it's unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. 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 (laughs) This is what drives people to do drugs. Get drunk, get high. All of us have this craving. To reach out beyond where we are and experience beyond the mundane of the physical, especially if it's bad, circumstances around you are bad, people want to escape. That's why they'll use their last little bit of money to get high. What's that old song back in the 70s? They want to take a trip and never leave the farm. Well, Drugs are not going to do it. Drugs are going to destroy the rest of your life. What's left of it. Your body, your mind, your relationships, your occupations. There's nothing but death in it. Nothing but death in it. But the truth is, you can take a trip. And never leave the farm. (laughs) You can. In your heart. And in your mind. And it's not fantasy. And it's not a figure of speech. You can be there. Hallelujah. In spirit. 
in heart. You can be there. You can touch it. And it can touch you. And he can touch you. It's a matter of heart. I said it's a matter of heart. In the old covenant. Depicted by what God gave them. With the holy place. And the holy of holies. And the ark of the covenant. Or ark of the presence. And all those things. It demonstrated what was available and what wasn't. Nobody could go into the presence of the Holy of Holies. Nobody except the high priest and only on the right occasion and only after certain precautions and only to do this showing that it's not accessible. You could not come close to the presence of God. Which is why they had the curtains, heavy stuff that nobody could look through the door and see into. But when Jesus offered up himself as our sacrifice, and he said, Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. The veil was ripped. Oh hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ripped. From top to bottom. Showing. That now. Those whose heart is right with him. Can come right on in. You don't have to be the high priest. And it doesn't have to be on the set day. And you don't have to kill a calf because the blood of the Lamb is there at the throne. Hallelujah. On the mercy seat 24-7 forever. So you and I can come close. So we can draw near. So we can come to the very throne. So we can come into the holiest presence of the Almighty. Now we can touch it by faith and very soon physically. That's one reason our body's got to be changed because right now it couldn't stand it to go right to the throne of God. But our body is going to be changed so that you and I can stand right, right before the throne of God in a glorified body. I expect you'll be lit up like a light bulb. <laughs> but you can take it. Oh, hallelujah. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a fantasy. This is reality. This is your future. In closing, I think. Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians chapter 2. He said in verse 11. He said, wherefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without, I would say outside. As you'll see that you were completely out. Without Christ. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without. You keep hearing that word, without. God 
in the world. What does that mean? You are far from God and no way to get to God. You couldn't be good enough. You couldn't do good enough. On the outside with no way to get in. Verse 13, but now, oh, somebody shout about, but now, but now, there was one that came in fulfillment of prophecy, born of a woman, hallelujah, with no earthly father, he is the way. Oh, he is the truth and the life. He is the way to the Father. No man comes to the Father except by him. Now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made close. Somebody say close, close. Near, nigh means near, close. What got us in? What got us close? Your works couldn't get you close. Mama couldn't get you close. (laughs) Nobody could do it for you. But the blood of the Lamb, when you believed it in your heart and you received it in your heart, it washed you clean and you humbled yourself and said, God, I can't save myself. I got to have you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I submit to you. I will honor you and follow you. You turned, hallelujah, and you drew, you sucked you right into the presence of God. Hallelujah. You flew right by the outer courts and the washing of the sacrifices. You flew right through the holy place and right through the split veil into the holy of holies, the throne of God. Where nobody could go. Nobody could go. But now we can. Somebody say, I was was far off and no way to get in. in. But Jesus Jesus is my way. way. And now I'm close close by the blood of the Lamb. Lamb. (laughs) Now I can come boldly not arrogantly, but confidently to the very throne. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse 14, why? For he is our peace, our peace with God. And he has made both one. And what did he do? He broke down the wall of partition. Hallelujah. Between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make him himself of two, one new man, so making peace. Doesn't matter what tribe you're from. Doesn't matter what group you come from. If you're in Christ, then you're in him. 
and you can come in. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which were near, for through him we both have access. What's access? Access is the way in. You got an in with God? Sure do. Jesus. He's my in. <laughs> we have access. Go, somebody say, I have access. I have access. To, the to the Father. Nobody had access to the Father. But now we do. I have access. By how? I don't have to fly there physically. How do I get there? By the Spirit. In heart, in spirit, unto the Father. Let's stand up and raise our hands and honor the Master for doing this for us. Let's worship Him. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him. Master, we worship You. We worship You. Thank You for doing this for us. We, I, I know we don't know what you've done, the fullness of what you've done, how precious it is. But we believe what you've said. We accept it by faith. We accept it, Lord. You said it, and that's exactly how it is. And we are so thankful. We acknowledge we couldn't get there any other way. But you have given us access. Access to the Holy Father. Access to the throne of God. Access, access, you are my way, you are my way to the Father, you are my righteousness, you are my holiness, you are my acceptance with him. Oh, come on, worship him, saints, lift up your hands, lift up your voices, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes. You know what they do at the throne? They worship the Lamb. They worship the Lamb. Hallelujah. And the Father. Hallelujah. We can join them. We can touch it. It can touch us. Join in the worship. Join in the worship. Oh, hallelujah. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.